Population. Ways in which the rest of the world continues to exploit African resources. Uncovering labor violations by corrupt politicians and Western government powers. Learn what's happening now in interviews with artists, activists, scholars, and a host of other experts each episode. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Africa Now is also available on iTunes Podcast, Google Play Music, as well as SoundCloud. On your station for jazz and justice, WPFW, Washington. The silent crisis, prostate cancer, more aggressive and more prevalent among African-American men. Why? We'll explore that. And if you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. Zora Neale Hurston, a play coming to a community theater near you. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to a special edition of What's at Stake. I'm Verna Avery Brown. Well, prostate cancer is a fairly common form of cancer in men, but when it strikes in African-American men, it tends to be more aggressive. And if you're a black man, your chances of being diagnosed with prostate cancer are significantly greater than men of other races. Last month, two noted African-American men lost their battles with the disease. Dexter King, the son of Martin Luther King Jr., and Joe Madison, a.k.a. the Black Eagle, an American radio talk show host. They died nine days apart. Dexter was 62. Joe was 74. And U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, an African-American, was diagnosed with prostate cancer last month, but he underwent a minimally invasive procedure and was, quote-unquote, cured. So if you're African-American and you're listening to this show, chances are you know someone personally who is fighting prostate cancer or has lost his battle with it because it's so prevalent in the Black community. Chris Bennett is with the organization called Zero Prostate Cancer. He's the Director of Health Equity, Community Organizing and Engagement. He's going to help us this morning navigate through this issue. Good morning, Chris Bennett, and welcome to What's at Stake. Morning, Verna. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us from San Diego and try to stay dry out there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know that'll be a challenge, but yeah. now Zero has has started has stated as its mission to wipe out prostate cancer. That's a pretty ambitious goal. Prostate cancer uh, prostate is a fairly common form of cancer to begin with, and it's significantly more common in the Black community. So what, Chris, are the differences in the way prostate cancer shows up in the African-American community and the way it presents in other communities? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the, the first place to start is definitely some of those statistics. So I know you had mentioned that it's much more prevalent in the uh, African-American or Black community, and that is significantly true. So we're talking one in six Black men uh, will develop prostate cancer in their lifetime as compared to one in eight men overall. Um, and then Black men are actually 1.7 times more likely to be diagnosed with it and almost 2.1 times more likely to die from it. Um, than their white counterparts. So we're talking about a massive jump uh, in that diagnosis rate and as well as in that mortality rate. And so there's, you know, there's there's really a lot of different factors that kind of play into it. Um, there's a lot of social factors that kind of play into it. Uh, and there's really no clear actual cut reasons as to what can kind of explain that difference. Um, but there are, you know, we we do have to address a, a few things for sure. In, in, okay. In well, let me ask you. So, is it hyperbole to call this a crisis, uh, Chris? I mean, is that an exaggeration or an overstatement in your opinion? In my opinion, no, absolutely not. I mean, that is a significant reason why I actually got into this space is because the numbers are so vastly different uh, in comparison to to black men and then also their white counterparts. Mm -hmm. Now. I know when we were talking earlier, you said that you had a personal reason also yes. for yes. engaging in this. Do yeah. you just want to share that? Yeah, share that absolutely. 
Absolutely. So there's a family history in, in, within my own family, right? And I mean, you had mentioned it. Um, I think, like I said, one in six men. So if you go around and look at six of your six six of your other friends, at least one of you is probably going to have uh, prostate cancer in your lifetime. And one thing that comes up a lot in the black community is oftentimes we don't even know what a prostate is until we're diagnosed with cancer. And we want to make sure that we can stop that. Uh, we want to make sure that we make folks aware because the good news is prostate cancer is actually very treatable. Um, so there's about a 98% chance of survival if you're diagnosed earlier. So we really want to push for people to get that PSA test. Mm. So, um, and you know, that's the reason I'm doing this show because I started to notice a, a, a close friend of mine uh, said that he had prostate cancer. And then he also shared that another friend of ours had prostate cancer. And you know, and I'm hearing these reports on the news and I was really dumbfounded when Dexter King was, I mean, actually mm -hmm. died from it I, mm -hmm. I, because you would think that he would have access to proper health care. Yeah. Uh, but you said that you're twice, if you're a black man, you're twice as likely to die from it yep. than others. Do yeah. we know why? There's no, like I said, there's no real clear cut reason. Um, you know, genetics definitely play a role in it somehow. We just don't know exactly why. Um, there's, I mean, there is, there is the racial bias that, that takes place in preventative care, which I think is very important to, to address. Um, you know, black folks are actually more likely than their white counterparts to be offered the option of having a PSA test. Um, and, and are obviously more likely to be told that those PF, PSA tests, uh, benefits are actually uncertain. Um, so that is a study that has taken place. Uh, we also understand and we, we know about the historical context of this, right? Uh, race in the United States is something that, that definitely shows up in almost everything uh, and not almost everything in everything that we do, right? Uh, and it's no different in healthcare. So you mentioned the PSA test. That's the protein-specific antigens test. And what, what does that do, Chris? What yeah. does that tell an individual? Yeah, that's going to measure those. That's going to give you a baseline number on your actual PSA. So what, really what we want to know is what those baseline numbers are. And I think contrary to, to popular belief and contrary to what a lot of folks uh, kind of understand or know about prostate cancer screenings and tests, this is actually a simple blood test. And this is the test that most providers, uh, your primary care provider, you know, you can get this done in a panel. So this is something that's done super easily. Um, I actually was just in New York and we did a bunch of screenings across the across the city. And I know uh, men that were getting their results back within like an hour. So this is something that you will be able to get done and, and get those results back fairly mm -hmm. quickly. But what does it tell you if you have a, a high PSA and, uh, uh, rating? That means what? You have cancer cells? Uh, no, that's not that's that's not even necessarily true. So essentially what it will do is it's going to tell you what those it'll tell you what the numbers are. And you want to see if you have an elevated uh, an elevated number. So then you can go in uh, to your primary care provider and they'll actually tell you, OK, we need to either treat this or we don't need to treat this. So essentially what it's going to give you is those baseline. It's going to give you that baseline information. And that's what we want to know, because at the end of the day, uh, we do want to keep those numbers down. We want to make sure that your PSA numbers are down uh, or within healthy levels, because at the end of the day, like I said, this this prostate cancer is very, very treatable. So we just want so, to keep an eye on it. So four is a normal PSA uh, number or what would you say is normal? Yeah. And this is so that's that's subjective. So everything is going to be everything is going to fall within a range and it's going to be for yourself. So that's why we want to make sure that everybody kind of understands what their numbers are. OK, so let's look, take, step, take, take a step back. Uh, what actually causes uh, prostate cancer? Yeah. And uh, again, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, well, I was just going to say that I know it's caused by cancer cells mm -hmm. multiplying and growing mm -hmm. and then failing to die. Uh, so there's not really much you can do to prevent that uh, in terms of diet and exercise. Right. And uh, sexual activity. I don't know. How does that play into it? Yeah, Based absolutely. On. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things. Right. And we try to we, we suggest that people live a healthy lifestyle. So you just mentioned a few things that definitely play into it. Right. Eating healthy. Um, you know, there's exercise. There is just an overall healthy lifestyle that we want to promote. And so those are a couple of things that we feel as though uh, will will actually will also promote um, 
you know, a less likelihood of, of prostate cancer. But again, this is something that, you know, you can live the healthiest lifestyle and it can still develop in you. So we want to make sure at the end of the day, I know I'm harping on it, but we want to make sure that folks are getting tested because that is going to be our best case at being able to prevent death um, and also just promote a better quality of life with prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. So what about sexual activity? Does that play a role in the, in the, this at all? Yes, it absolutely does. And so I think, you know, sexual health is one thing that I hear about a a lot, right? So if somebody is diagnosed with prostate cancer, uh, oftentimes, you know, there could be after the treatment, there are, uh, there usually are some things that pop up with sexual health. And so we want to be very upfront and honest about that, right? That is something that could potentially happen. But the one thing that I often say to people is I've never heard anybody complain about their sex life when they're six feet deep. And so at the end of the day, we really genuinely care about people, keeping people here, keeping people healthy. Um, And then there's also a lot of really great sex therapists that can help with that. So I wouldn't let sexual health uh, deter you from getting that PSA test. But what I'm I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is I, I know that testosterone plays a role in prostate cancer. I know you're not a doctor, but. Uh, if testosterone plays a role and you've got these cancer cells uh, building up and multiplying rapidly and refusing to die, um, this increased sexual activity uh, sort of increase your chances of getting prostate cancer? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge, no. And again, I'm not a, I'm not a provider, but not to my knowledge, no. Right. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be happy to hear yeah. that. Um, <laughs> So we don't know why the risk is higher for black men and why it's more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And we, we do know also that it presents to black men earlier. Correct. What can you tell us about that? At what age do you recommend that these screenings be done? And are they easily accessible? Or are there going to be campaigns across the country where they can mm-hmm. be gotten free? Or yeah, tell us about absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in most men, the uh, U.S. Preventative Task Force actually suggests uh, getting a PSA around 50 years old. We actually recommend uh, for black men, also if you have a family history, um, if, if, if somebody in your family, and this is an overall holistic piece, if someone in your family, uh, mother, sister, anything like that, uh, potentially has breast cancer or ovarian cancer, uh, because of the BRCA1 and 2 gene mutations, we suggest that you get tested at 40 years old. So we want to make 40. sure that you're getting 40. 40 years old mm-hmm. is what we're suggesting you get tested at. Um, there are a ton of different free campaigns, uh, access to free testing, PSA testing um, across the country. You can go on zerocancer.org to find uh, some of those locations. Um, and we also have a ton of different programs at Zero uh, that if someone is diagnosed with prostate cancer, you're not going through it alone. And also we can make sure that folks have that financial help, uh, the access to treatment and, and are connected to a medical home. Mm, and so quickly, the symptoms are urinary incontinence and bowel mm-hmm. incontinence, blood mm-hmm. in the semen, a slow stream, an urgent need to 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 maturate at night and erectile dysfunction. So, but uh, I was reading where it says, don't wait until you're sick to go to the doctor. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Verna, for bringing that up. Because I think oftentimes, you know, people wait until they have symptoms to uh, essentially go see somebody, see a provider. Um, That is why this is called a silent killer, right, is because there oftentimes aren't any actual symptoms uh, of of having prostate cancer. Um, So at the end of the day, again, I know I keep harping on it, but please get that PSA test. Um, Come to zerocancer.org. Reach out to us. We will help you navigate that. Uh, We that's that's what we're here for and that we have a ton of really great resources. When my best friend's dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer, I I. I I organically and genuinely said zerocancer.org, not because I work here, but because I know how phenomenal the resources are. So please uh, come to zerocancer.org and we'll make sure that you get squared away. So zerocancer.org. So folks, tell your sons, your fathers, your uncles, your brother, your cousins, friends, coworkers, neighbors, we have to get the word out this is not being promoted as the crisis in the black community that it needs to be. It's up to us to help each other and to protect each other. Chris Bennett with Zero Cancer, 
zero prostate cancer. Thank you for being our guest this morning on What's at Stake. Thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for bringing this to the light. Yes, indeed. You know, we are in the middle of our pledge drive here at, uh, at WPFW and, you know, we, we, we're able to put a spotlight on a critical issue like this and present it to you because we're WPFW. Other stations, other networks, other organ news organizations aren't emphasizing the crisis that's in our Black community with this prostate cancer. I'm going to invite our program director, Katia Stitt, to join us in the studio. Uh, the, to join us, uh, I'm going to invite our program director, Katia Stitt, to join us uh, in the studio this morning, uh, or not, not actually in the studio, but good morning, Katia. Good morning, Verna. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> yes, yes, we hear you just fine. I was just sharing with our audience the importance of having a station like WPFW where we can highlight a critical issue like prostate cancer. That's really a silent crisis in the Black community, but we don't hear that being said often enough. I mean, we're educating, we're informing, we're protecting, we're saving lives through this station. Uh, where else have you heard this issue highlighted? I mean, there's, there's really silence around this. And it's our job to protect one another. And because of WPFW, we are able to do that. But we need your help. We need you to help us with that. If you're listening right now, it's probably not the first time you tuned in. But if it is, welcome. We love you. Welcome to the family. Uh, but you likely tune in. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Katia. That's quite all right. I wanted to just take a moment, uh, if I could, to thank. Well, you're dropping out a little. We didn't hear who you want to thank, uh, but maybe um, how about, some. How about now, Verna? Now we can hear you. Yes. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. What I want to say is, um, first of all, I want to, I want to, I want to thank a few folks. And we want to say thank you to Jennifer, who pledged last hour from CC, as well as Anonymous out of Ellicott City. And and you can... Okay. All right. Yeah. So, well, that's our program director. She'll join us when she can. I think she's uh, in the midst of driving, so it might be a little challenging for her. And if you're driving, pull over. Because we need your support. We need you right now. Call the number 202-588-9739, 202-588-9739, or 1-800-222-9739. We're in the middle of our pledge drive. We need your support. If you heard something that interests you, so you kept listening, uh, make a contribution because you rely on us. What if you woke up this morning and turned on your radio or asked Alexa to get WPFW and she says, sorry, WPFW is gone. <laughs> How would you feel? How would that make you feel? So we need your support. Make a pledge. Uh, it doesn't matter how much. Nothing's too small. Nothing's too large. But it takes money to keep this station afloat. And we only have you to rely on. We don't have big corporations making, you know, uh, deposits, helping us pay our rent. We don't charge you ahead of time like those streaming networks with all the movies, you know. No, you can access us without having to pay in advance. You just get up, you ask Alexa to turn to WPFW or you tune your radio into WPFW. Um, and, and we're here for you every day, 24-7. But we can't do that. We, we need you to contribute. And you know who you are. If, if you can give generously this week, and you know if you can or not, give a sizable contribution. You're really investing in your own well-being when you do that. Being informed can inform you can inform your family and your friends. Just like this morning, we're talking about this prostate cancer. This is invaluable information. You could be saving a life. We know our listeners are loyal, like family. I can't tell you how many times 
I meet people and say, oh, my father used to listen to PFW all the time. And my niece told me she met a young man and he said, oh, your aunt is from Avery Brown. My mother listens to her all the time. We know you're listening. We need your support. Go to your phone right now and dial 202-588-9739 or 1-800-222-9739. Make a pledge. Doesn't matter how large or how small. Make a pledge. We need you to stay afloat. Join our family. Become a sustaining member. And you won't just be keeping us up. You'll be helping to lift us up. Uh, we want to increase our footprint in the community. This is, this is a community WPFW is establishing. Uh, you know, and raise, we want to raise the consciousness, help create a more respectful, loving community, a better informed community, a healthier community. And you, you need, we need your help. We need your help right now. Uh, so go to your phone and make that call. You know, if every, I don't know how many people are out there, but if, if we have a modest goal of 500 and if everybody out there just sent in $1, went to your cash app and just cash at $1, we would make that goal in no time and surpass it. I'm sure. So let's do that. Go, go to your cash app, send in a dollar or two or however much you can afford to do, but take this advantage, this opportunity to do that. Pull out your phone and dial 202-588-9739 or 1-800-222-9739. Go ahead, Katia. Is it? Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. I'm glad. I'm sorry for the, the poor sound. But I just want to encourage people, as you said, uh, to please go to the phones right now. The number to call is, uh, Verna gave the local number, 202-588-9739. You can also dial uh, 800-222. 9739. You can go online to WPFWFM.org. This is and continue. Excellent mm -hmm. What is the Cash App? Because I want oh, people to actually take advantage of that. Sure. It's dollar sign WPFW is um, how you can pledge on Cash App. Make sure in the notes section you put that the pledge is for What's at Stake with Verna Avery Brown. And um, her program will be credited. Um, Verna and her team do excellent work. She is the executive producer. It's a collective and they all do excellent work. And you know, because you tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. So we implore you now to go to the phone, make that call that makes the difference, support the great work that Verna Avery Brown does as a journalist, as an activist, as a community member, 800-222-9739, a modest goal of $500. Mm -hmm. And we That's know, right. Verna, that there are those in our listening audience that can easily just give the 500 will be done. We will have made the goal. Everyone will be very happy. We also <laughs> know that there are those that cannot afford to pledge their support, but they support us by listening. They make mm. sure that that dial is tuned to WPFW 24 yes, yes. hours a day, seven days a week. And so if you're someone who has done well in life and you want to do mm -hmm. something great for your community, Pledge right now for those that cannot afford to pledge for this station, but understand the importance of it. That's what yes. you can do. That is what yes. being an activist is. And, and that is what what Straight tries to bring to the fore every Wednesday morning. She has some wonderful guests. Mm -hmm. She talked about saving lives, you know, prostate cancer. I know firsthand experience from dear friends, from uncles. A silent killer. By the time you have pain often with prostate cancer, it is too late. And yes. she is bringing you this information today. Mm -hmm. So please That's right. support that which supports you. $500 mm. to go, 800-222-9739 or WPFWFM.org. Verna, I want to uh, hopefully come back and thank some people together. I'm sure you will. Don't forget the cash app, folks. Dollar That's sign right. WPFW. It, even if you just send a dollar or two, that will make a difference. Up next, if you're silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it one of hundreds of memorable quotes by Zora Neale Hurston. We'll be back in a moment with the actor and director of Zora coming to a community theater near you. Back in a moment. Gil Scott Heron said, the revolution will not be televised. 
And yet we've seen oppression, suffering, and resistance streamed in real time across this country and around the world, from Palestine to D.C. In times like these, it's imperative to have a station like WPFW that centers justice, reflects hope, and fosters solidarity throughout our music and public affairs programming. From February 4th through the 24th, we offer you the opportunity to partner with us in this critical work of liberation by donating during our Winter Pledge Drive and ensuring that WPFW will be here to chronicle the revolution. WPFW, Revolutionary Radio for Revolutionary Times. And welcome back to What's at Stake. I'm Vern Avery Brown. Zora. My God! Look at this place. Some old dumpy looking bus station. And they call this a waiting room. But they couldn't mean it. It's dreary, dirty. And to think, I used to be somebody in the big time. Books lying in the bookshelves, three feet deep and 12 feet high. But that was a long time ago. Now I'm headed back to Boca Raton. That's in Florida. I could tell you where it is, but I'm not looking forward to visitors right in through here. I mean, I have been in it up until my elbows, and I can tell you a thing or two about people's inhumanity. How can a man look at someone and decide he knows all there is to know about that person? Just like a moment ago with that ticket clerk. Now this man is going to give me a hard time because he can't find where and what time for the bus to Boca Raton. And you know, I, I sympathize with him, it being Christmas Eve and all, but that isn't even my fault. He's testy when he finally finds it in his black book, and then he tells me it's $29.25. Well, I only got $29, period. He swears that I got to pay the whole fare or his management and union is going to come down here and declare war against me. Me, Zora Neale Hurston. <laughs> wow, wow, that was awesome. That's Tandria, Tandria, Tandria. Tandria, Tandria, I'm sorry, Tandria Reeves, the actress playing Zora in the upcoming performance beginning in February. Um, so Tandria, welcome to What's at Stake and put that line in context for us. What was happening that led up to that moment? Absolutely. So this is uh, the moment where Zora is actually heading back home to uh, her hometown, Eatonville, after leaving Boca Raton, after leaving uh, New York for some time. Um, this is towards the end of, of, I wouldn't say Zora's career, but uh, prior to this happening, uh, Zora was accused of sodomizing a 10-year-old boy, which sort of, yes, 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 yes. She was accused, uh, it, uh, it did not happen. Um, and so this kind of led to sort of her, her downfall into her books not being published anymore, her not having any support um, from some friends, um, and her just wanting to return back to where it all began, which was Eatonville, Florida. So she is at this bus station, um, and of course, it's, it's a dumpy place, you know, and she doesn't have really any money at this point. Zora um, is- $29. Yeah, $29. $29, that's all she has. Um, and even to get home, she had to, you know, borrow money from, from friends and family um, just to sort of make her way through sort of the end of her life. Um, so that's pretty much what's happening here. She's headed back mm -hmm. home. Um, wow. All of these different events um, and situations have occurred. And she, she's, as you will hear mm -hmm. in the play, calling it a draw. Yes, well, you slipped right into that role and gave our audience a sneak peek of what they can expect when they come to this play. And I can't wait personally. You know, and I just learned something just that quick. I had no idea about the story of her being accused of sodomizing a young boy. I mean, yeah. um, I'm sure there's lots more to learn about Zora uh, when we attend this play. Uh, 
we know that she studied at Harvard University and Columbia University. She published, I think, the Hilltop uh, Magazine. She was yes. an anthropologist, yes. an author of numerous books, a civil rights advocate, and a Republican. And at first yes. I was like, a Republican? But I was thinking, okay, back then the Republican Party, there were quite a few Blacks in the Republican Party at that Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Um, so how, how would you um, characterize, what is the one thing you want for uh, people to take away from this play about Zora Neale Hurston, who she was, the essence of her? Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, Zora, um, she was brilliant, very brilliant. She was determined. Uh, she was a visionary. She was very funny. She always wanted to be the center of attention. She was bodacious. She was very gifted, eccentric. So I want everyone to take that part away um, and getting to know Zora and her personality and also the various relationships that she had with um, that she had with uh, Langston Hughes, Elaine Locke, and, and Richard Wright. All of that information um, is critical to who Zora Neale Hurston was, um, how they played a role in her life, and just her overall story. Mm, okay, well, I'm getting more and more excited the more I hear. Uh, we know that she could turn a phrase. I mean, there are over 200 some quotes uh, that she's famous for. All skin folk ain't kin folk. That's one of my favorite. Uh, a lot of people probably say that and don't realize that that came from Zora Neale Hurston. Yes. Uh, and then there's silence is all the genius a fool has. And, and of course, uh, from her book, the, their eyes were watching God. So, but also joining us in the studio is Lynn Dyson, actor, formerly with the Black Repertory Company, presently the president and producing director of the Multimedia Training Institute. Good morning, Lynn, and welcome to What's at Stake. Good morning, Avery. I'm, I'm Verna. I'm just so, so excited to be here with you and talk about this great project and the opening of our new institution in Ward 7. So why Zora? Um, what, what is it about the life of Zora Neale Hurston that you and, and others felt so compelled to highlight her journey and her life? Why not Zora is the question. Uh, earlier, I guess last year, we did a play on uh, called Campaign 72 on Shirley Chisholm. Why not Shirley? You know, why not hold up our black sheroes? and have uh, shining examples for our little black girls and boys, but we just think it's critical to tell our story. You know, no one's gonna tell our story the way we tell our story. And then those of us who have really made things happen, had a great impact on society in general, and especially for black people, and for black people in terms of social justice, that we have to hold them up. You know, she died in obscurity, broke, poor, poverty. And now she, they're finding out that she was one of the most prolific writers of the 20th century. Mm, how many books did she write? And, and, mm -hmm. and let her be the example and shine an example for all to see and to emulate. That's why mm. we do this. Now, there's another actor in this play. He's not joining us this morning, but he plays several roles. And Richard Wright, I saw, is one of the roles he plays. And Richard Wright was a critic of Zora, was he not? What, what did they clash over? Well, you know, Zora went down in the South. She was from the South, so she had no problems going to the South and, and, and documenting the folklore of her people. Uh, and you had Richard Wright and, and, and Langston Hughes and Elaine Locke and W. Du Bois and all of them in that talented 10th era of the Negro of the Harlem Renaissance. And so they wanted to talk about the whole civil rights movement. And she did that also, uh, but that they were totally into that. But she wanted to deal with the day-to-day the, the -day lives of black folks, especially in the South. And then she also went to, to the Caribbean and did the voodoo thing and all of that. And so that was this clash about what should be highlighted about black people. 
And, you know, it wasn't always about killing and dying and Jim Crow and all of that. It was about just plain black folk in their lives, how they lived, their culture, their food. So that was a clash of ideas of, of your elite thinking and then, you know, her being in the in, in, in the foundation of a black folk. So that was that mm -hmm. continuous clash between her, Langston, the Langlock, all of them. And who's going to be playing that role of Richard Wright? Tell us a little bit about that other actor. Kristen Martin Dinwiddie. Uh, uh, he's actually a, a union actor. I guess we're going big time now. Uh, and uh, he's done uh, uh, some extensive uh, uh, work uh, in theater. Uh, but uh, I think you probably know more about him than I do. You have the bio there. But uh, we definitely <laughs> liked his, his work and, and, and we brought him in. Mm -hmm. And so, Lynn, what are you hoping that theater goers will take away from this play? Well, like I said, uh, we need to uplift our sheroes and our heroes, and, and we want to use culture to bring people together. And I, I, I've continuously done that over the years. Uh, culture is like the glue uh, that brings people together. We come and we laugh and we cry and we talk and we network. And child, I ain't seen you in years. I'm glad to see you here and what you're doing now. And wow, I see my aunt up on that stage, my uncle, my cousin, my grandmother, you know. And wow, look how they dealt with that. That makes me think that's maybe how I should deal with it. So, you know, theater is a mirror to us. It's a mirror to life. It gives us inspiration, motivation. And, and that's what we want to do. And as I said, especially mm -hmm. our young people, they need to know about our sheroes and heroes and to uh, emulate them. You know, we need lots out here, writing and researching and anthropology and dealing with the science of our people. That's what it mm. is. Design. Absolutely. So, so now we come to the part in 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 the show this morning where where our listeners get to express, where listeners, you get to express your appreciation for our culture. We have a limited amount of tickets to the play Zora. For a pledge of seventy five dollars, you can get a pair of tickets and make it. You know, a special date. I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up. When does the play actually open, uh, Lynn? The play actually opens uh, Lynn, Thursday. when does the play open? Uh, it opens Thursday, February the 15th. Uh, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the play is sold out uh, for the 15th. Oh, wow. It's already sold out. On the 16th, which is WTFW Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna... day. And mm -hmm. uh, we want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we, uh, PFW and, P uh, and, and Multimedia uh, are going to be honoring Sandra Truesdale Butler with the, the DC Legendary Jazz uh, Organization and, and, and all the years that she was uh, doing so much in the community around jazz and culture. Uh, okay. We have a jazz group, Manny, the Manny uh, Kellogg uh, uh, Trio, a quartet, I believe, is going to perform mm -hmm. afterwards. We're going to have a wonderful evening, and it's WPFW night. Oh, okay, so for a single ticket, uh, for a forty-dollar pledge, you can get a single ticket, and and who knows, you might meet a new friend or two or three or four there at WPFW night. Come on out and join join the family. We are making. This is be part of the community. This is that we've already have a community. We're expanding our community. The WPFW family. Go to the phones right now and make a pledge. 202-588-9739 or 1-800-222-9739. Make a pledge for $75. Get a couple of tickets. You know, you can make that a date night too. Um, you know, a, a unique date. Uh, show, show show your date that you have culture, you have class. You want to take her to the theater, not just to the movies, you know. <laughs> take her to the theater, see a live performance uh, where you can, and, and at the same time, invest in our community because donations made to WPFW are really an investment in our community. We are a community radio station, and we count on you in that equation to make it work. We can't do this alone. We need you. Go to your phone. Make a contribution. 202-588-9739 or 1-800-222-9739. If you tune in 
every day to WPFW and every uh, Wednesday to what's at stake. This is your chance, your opportunity to make a real difference. 202-588-9739 or 1-800-222-9739. So we, the volunteers, we do the heavy lifting all the research and the studying and the late night hours planning our shows. And you can lift your phone and cash app a contribution or lift your credit card and make a generous tax deduction, tax deductible donation that will help lift our station, your station up. 202-588-9739 or 1-800-222-9739. If you've been a guest on one of our shows here at WPFW or on this show and you want to you want to do your part, you know, maybe you're not going to be out there um, you know, marching in the streets or blocking traffic, but this is a way that you can make a contribution. You know who you are. If you haven't contributed yet, we need you. We need you now. 202-588-9739. So, um, Lynn, tell us, why is uh, um, community theater important? What's what's the importance of community theater? Again, you know, uh, I think it's about family. It's about role models. uh, It's about family and, and, and role models and 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 being in the community. Uh, Robert Hooks uh, was my role model with founding the DC Black Repertory Company. And he had an opportunity to go to the Kennedy Center and have it there. And I think they were talking to the arena stage by partnering with them. But he went right up to Georgia Avenue and Farragut and founded the DC Black Repertory Company. And that was quite a, a role model for me. And so we are opening a new institution, the only performing arts venue in Ward 7, the new Cultural Cafe at Studio W. And mm. it's at 5073 East Capitol Street. We're in the community. We're gonna have secured parking for everybody so they can feel safe in their own community. Uh, and uh, so we're just excited about that. It's gonna be uh, not just a black theater, but it'll also be a TV studio, a media sound stage. And we'll be able to be streaming shows out of there. We'll be able to show film screenings and other plays. Um, we're talking to PFW. We're looking forward to possibly having a PFW jazz night there at least once a month. Oh, that should be fun. I can't yeah, wait. PFW <laughs> has to get the community out. They need to see Berna Avery Brown, not just hear her. They need to meet her and touch <laughs> I don't know her and talk to her. <laughs> I, would love to meet, I would love to meet our listeners. I'd love to. So we're mm-hmm. excited about our new facility that we're opening. And uh, that's where we're going to be doing Zora. We'll be doing other uh, plays. And we're going to do some uh, comedy shows, some gospel shows, some, some, some reggae shows. Uh, we, we're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, different activity there. Uh, and that's it's called the New Cultural Cafe at Studio W, uh, right there in uh, in Ward Seven. Okay, thank you. So go to your phones right now and make that contribution, make that donation to WPFW. So, so Mr. Reeves, tell us um, what if you were talking to a group of uh, let's say seventh graders. What do you think you, how would you introduce them to Zora Neale Hurston? Who is she that they need to know about? Absolutely. So just kind of piggybacking on what I said earlier about Zora, um, and particularly if I was talking to a group of seventh graders, she was eccentric. She was very funny. Uh, She was someone who wanted to be the center of attention when she walked into a room. Um, And that is how I describe uh, seventh graders. We can find a piece of Zora with inside of us. Um, She was also determined. She didn't want to stop. She had a goal and she met each one of those goals. Um, And she was just a very positive influence in her community. Um, so that is what I would say to a group of seventh graders, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, that's what I would say to a group of seventh graders. <laughs> and, you know, when we hold up these examples uh, uh, to our, our children, uh, we hope that we, we never know how they're going to be inspired by what they see and hear in the theaters. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important to expose them to different opportunities and personalities. Uh, because what got you into acting? What, what made you want to become an actress? Sure. I think actually what you just said, seeing other, you know, performers performing on stage and just looking and saying, wow, I think I can do that. Um, for me, just performing just started at a very early age, uh, maybe around six or seven years old. Um, I was always involved in some level of performing arts, whether it was dance, uh, ballet, tap, uh, gymnastics, but I think also representation. I remember seeing Dominique Dawes at the Olympics when she went and just seeing her flipping and just another black girl that looked like me. I was like, mom, I want to be in gymnastics. I want to do that. Um, so that's kind of how it actually started you know, me wanting to really perform. And my mom, she was um, at the time wanting to be a, a film director. So mm. she would always film me with, you know, VHA tape. And I was just always, you know, in front of the camera, um, interviewing neighbors, family members. So it just sort of just organically sort of grew into this love for just theater and performing. Mm -hmm. and, and and what's your uh what's your your goal as an actress what do you what what well let's take it a little back a little bit further what's your next step after this play what is your next step yeah to to keep going <laughs> and i think that is can resonate with a lot of performers to just keep going keep moving into you know higher heights in a, a, a different direction. I want to continue doing theater, film, television, commercials, um, continuing to audition and work on both coasts. Um, so yeah, that's just me, just to keep going. Okay, and we're going to see, I, I think you clearly have the talent to do that. I mean, when you slipped into that role, it was just so impressive. I can't, I'm going to be there at the theater uh, on WPFW night. Maybe even opening night, too. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but um, we'll see. But yes. And um, so, you know, Lynn, um, what can you tell us? Do you think there'll ever be another DC Black repertory company? Well, we hope so. Uh, we, we hope that we're planting the seeds now. You know, there is the DC Black Repertory Company Alumni Association, which I'm a member of. All of us old heads from the 70s are still around. And and so I'm uh, embodying the spirit of, of that. And, and, and hopefully as a result of us having a space now, we want to get to the point where we can put on at least three or four shows a, a year. But, you know, I'm not a theater company per se. You know, we train young people in, in media and media arts and adults and, and video production and technical theater and IT. That's what we really do. But because of my theater background, we, we have them work on the shows behind the scene. If you're learning video production and you videotape to play, if you're learning technical theater, then you're behind the scenes with the lighting, audio and, and, and lights and so forth. If you're doing arts administration, then you're helping with marketing and so forth. But I want to add one other thing, Verna. You, you talked about uh, Zora. Uh, and what would you say to seventh graders? I would talk about her determination her resilience. Did you know that she pushed her age back 10 years so she could go back to high school? Oh. 10 years older than the high school students because she mm -hmm. didn't have a chance to be in high school because of her turbulent life. So oh. she was in high, she was probably 20 and, uh, uh, you know, which is probably 22 passing for 16 or something like that. To, to, to be able to, to, to get get her high school diploma. And mm. then and then when she went to college, she was working all kinds of odd jobs. Uh, she was a manicurist in a in a black owned uh, barbershop that held, had only white customers. You know, she was a waitress. 
you know, she did anything and everything to raise money to stay in school. She was one of the founders, a co-founder of the Hilltop. This woman was resilient mm. and determined. And that's what I would tell young people. Be resilient. Be determined. I don't care what's thrown in your path. You know, you, you're going to push through. So uh, that that that's a key point that I wanted to bring out. Absolutely. And I just learned yesterday, you said that the mayor of D.C. has proclaimed February 17th, Zora Neale Hurston Day. Yes, um, yes, we're excited about that, and everybody should know about it. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston Day in Washington, D.C. And matter of fact, on that particular day, the Zeta Phi Beta sorority, which uh, uh, Zora was one of the uh, founders of it, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they will be coming uh, on the 17th, uh, and the proclamation will be read at, at the 2 p.m. show, and that show is sold out also. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, so so this would be Zora's sorority and they're going to be honoring her and they're going to have a panel discussion afterwards about Zora. So we, we want to just Zorize the whole city. And it's apropos. Now, do you think did she make a particular contribution to D.C.? Do you know? Well, yeah, um, she was here. As I said, she went to Howard. And she uh, co-founded the, the oldest uh, and most important uh, black uh, new student newspaper in the country, mm -hmm. the Hilltop. So that was quite mm -hmm. quite a, a contribution. And there's probably a lot of things why she she did when she was here. You know, she uh, uh, was uh, very close with Elaine Locke at that time in terms of the scholarly part of it, even though that fell, fell out later on. Uh, but, mm -hmm. uh, yes, she. Uh, was a very prominent force here in D.C., and I guess that's why the mayor recognized her in terms of uh, her contribution. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how many tickets we have left at this point, uh, but, but make sure you guys save me one. I want to see what I'm missing about Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, you know, we had two Eatonville restaurants here in town um, that were dedicated to Zora Neale Hurston. Well, founded on the basis of her yeah. her life and her journey. She was from Eatonville, Florida. Um, and uh, so, you know, there. I think there's so much to learn about her, an extraordinary woman. We, we have these Black History Months, but, you know, people like this aren't always uh, lifted up and and uh highlighted and we don't know about all these uh extraordinary contributions that folks have made uh to to our to our race to to our communities at large go ahead I, I, I just found out recently that her newest book can you believe there's a new book out called barracoon uh came out in 2018 wow uh, back in the 30s she interviewed a 95 year old uh a person who was the last person to come over on the Middle Passage, Mr. Kojo Lee, uh, I believe. Uh, and, and she uh, wrote a book about that. She wrote a book called Barracoon. Uh, Barracoon mm -hmm. is, uh, it was the, 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 the facilities that they kept uh, the, 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 the slaves, I hate using the word slave, the, the, the prisoners of war, <laughs> prisoners of uh, mm -hmm. Uh, on, on right before they transported them to, over on the Middle Passage. It, it was the Barracoons. And so he was 95 years old, and he was one of the last ones to come over. And she went down to uh, uh, where he was in Alabama, and, and for three months, she just hung out there and interviewed him, and he told his story about the, all the transitions he had to go through. The one first transition was being brought here, and then the second transition was being freed. And what do you do now? You know, so. Mm -hmm. you know, that's okay. Going through it. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to, we're sort of like at the end of our show this morning, but we need you, we need you to go to that phone and make a donation. We have a couple of tickets left, but if you want to make a contribution, a donation uh, to the fact that this is a community radio station that is educating the people, we're helping to save lives. I'm talking to you. You know whether you've made a contribution or not. We need you. 
1-800-222-9739. Show your support. Your contribution goes towards paying our rent, our electricity, our tariff fees, health care for our small staff of about 10 people. But the programmers, we're volunteers. Most of us have full-time jobs, but we make the sacrifice to put our show together as a gift to the community. You can make a gift to the community by making a pledge right now. Go to your phone, 202-588-9739 or 1-800-222-9739 or, or do a cash app. Cash app would be dollar sign WPFW. If you, you don't have to get tickets to Zora, but you can simply make a love donation of any amount. Nothing's too small or too big. If you're in the car, pull over and cash app. Make sure you say it's for what's at stake, for what's at stake. 202-588-9739. And, you know, if you can just make if you are in a position to make a nice, generous pledge of $500, do so. You'll feel good about it. You'll know that you've done your part to help this community radio station. 1-800-222-9739 or uh, 9737 or 202-588. Okay. 202-588-9739 or 1-800-222-9739. Thank you so very much for your support. Uh, that's actually going to do it for this week's edition of What's at Stake. Thank you, the listeners. Thank you to all of you who have contributed. And if we haven't read your name on the air yet, please accept my apologies. Uh, and thank you to our guests this morning, uh, Chris Bennett, Tandria Reeves, and Lynn Dyson. And thanks to our engineer, Michael Masella, and our program director, Katia Stitt. I'm Verna Avery-Brown. Up next, wake up and stay woke with Dr. Ife Williams. We'd like to thank Ibrahim from Chantilly, Virginia, and Bill from Hyattsville, Maryland. Call 202-588-9739 or 800-222-9739. Gil Scott Heron said, The revolution will not be televised. And yet we've seen oppression, suffering, and resistance streamed in real time across this country and around the world, from Palestine to D.C. In times like these, it's imperative to have a station like WPFW that centers justice, reflects hope, and fosters solidarity throughout our music and public affairs programming. From February 4th through the 24th, we offer you the opportunity to partner with us in this critical work of liberation by donating during our Winter Pledge Drive and ensuring that WPFW will be here to chronicle the revolution. WPFW, Revolutionary Radio for Revolutionary Times. CD Enterprises presents Grammy Award-winning jazz singer and songwriter Gregory Porter live in concert. February 25th, at the theater at MGM National Harbor. Tickets are available now at MGMNationalHarbor.com. Don't miss this generation's most influential jazz sensation, Gregory Porter, live. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Big announcement. Home Rule Music Festival, in partnership with WPFW, presents an electrifying evening of music, culture, and community. Join us on Friday, February 23rd at Songbird Music House for the Home Rule Music Festival launch party and concert. Doors open at 7 p.m. Event starts at 8 p.m. 
Songbird is located at 540 Penn Street, Northeast, Washington, D.C. Special performances by the legendary Plunky from Oneness of Juju and the dynamic Brandon Woody's Up Indu. Plus, don't miss the exclusive screening of the captivating Black Fire documentary. Tickets are available at songbirddc.com. That's S-O-N-G-B-Y-R-D-D-C.com. Sego, this is John Kane, and I want to invite you to join me right here on WPFW on Fridays at 2 p.m. for Let's Talk Native. I will deliver guests and commentary each week on the real-life issues facing Native people. No romanticizing and no Hollywood stereotypes here. We'll talk real history and culture and life as it is and as it should be.